Our new podcast series titled The Dinner Table features Derek Boylan, who was our guest in the Focus Session series. Magellan is on a mission to reunite families at the dinner table to help them become closer, sharing and more loving. The dinner table is not only an area for eating, but a place for gathering, sharing, communicating and where relationships can prosper. Studies show there are enormous health benefits for the whole family with lower rates of anxiety and depression. Derek Borland, father of nine and director of the Centre for Life, Marriage and Family in the Archdiocese of Perth, is also a lecturer in counselling at the University of Notre Dame in Perth. Welcome back again, Derek. Thank you. Thanks for having me back, David. No, good to have you. Now, uh, the first two questions are a slight rehash of the previous two podcasts, but they're important points. We've spoken about the ideas behind the dinner table and why it's important for families to share a meal together at a time when in a busy world, many don't come together much at all, sadly. We've also spoken about the physical and mental health benefits of those who share a meal, uh, Derek. Definitely. Yeah, look, you know, we've spoken a fair bit about it. And um, and it's, I mean, you know, I guess the key takeaway is that, you know, family meals are just such an important part of the day and they can have such an important impact, you know, on the individuals in those families and the families themselves, you know, in terms of us being on the same page, transmitting values and beliefs and uh, learning how to solve problems, building sc- communication skills, establishing a safe foundation of family. Uh, they're just such an important part of uh, of life and such a simple thing that families can do that can make a big difference in terms of a flow-on effect. Yeah, no, it is a simple thing. I don't know about you, but when I go into houses sometimes and I see the dinner table uh, or the kitchen table and I think, I wonder how many times the family actually sit around those tables. It used to be so important uh, when I was growing up, when you were growing up, but now uh, I often feel like they, they, they gather dust. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I think about my own experience. Karen and I had a, a bit of a chat about this just recently. And in my family growing up, uh, we would always have our set place at the dinner table, you know, in the evenings. And um, and one of the things that we would always do before family meals was we'd say grace. You know, we'd say grace as a, as a family. And, and for a little while in my family, we had this sort of funny dynamic where my position at the dinner table was the closest to the pantry. So if, you know, there was something missing off the dinner table, if there was, I don't know, if the butter was missing or the pepper or the salt or something, dad would say, Derek, can you get the pepper? Derek, could you get the salt or the butter? And as soon as I got up to leave, they would start grace. You know, everyone would sort of start grace. And and for a little while, it must have been about 14 or 15 years of old, I, you know, found myself thinking, what am I just the family slave? Am I not sort of important here in this family that, you know, they all start grace while I'm sort of getting their food? And I remember thinking so clearly at that time that I would never do that to my family. Yeah. You know, that that one day when I had a family of my own, that actually it's really important that everyone's there, you know, and if someone's taking a little bit to serve their dinner out, well, we'll wait, you know, until we're all there and we'll have family, dinner as a family. And uh, because that, that experience of grace, of coming together, is actually an important part of us starting that meal together. Yeah, no, it is funny what you remember. And, you know, our parents aren't perfect, just like we're not perfect. But you you look back and you think, well, I won't do what Dad did because I think that was right. So you do something else. But then my son will probably not do things that I have done because he thinks I wasn't right. <laughs> it passes on from generation to generation. It sure does. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting how those sort of patterns get handed down. 
you know, and only changed slightly from each generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, when I was growing up, family of six, which I've mentioned in the past, I can't remember too many occasions, uh, Derek, where we didn't sit down as a family at night. We'd wait for dad to come home, uh, usually around 6.30, and then mum would serve up. It was a different time, but it was a wonderful time. Oh, it was. Uh, and to have that sort of that regularity of life and that sort of routine that was sort of predictable, you know, in life was really sort of uh, an important part. And, you know, it's often difficult families these days when they have dual incomes and sometimes parents are working in the evenings or, you know, in, in WA, a big one is fly and fly out. So, yeah. you know, often there's a, a member of the family who's sort of missing. Um, and so it's not always possible on a daily basis, but certainly on a weekly basis, you know, it's really healthy for families to just find that place of connection, find that place of coming together, sharing a meal with one another. Yeah, no, absolutely right. So this podcast is about growing faith at the dinner table. Uh, as the George Michael song goes, let's talk about faith, baby. And that's what we're going to do. The spiritual side of families coming together is invaluable. I would have thought you would agree with that. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's such. It's probably, in a way, in terms of the family meal, one of the most important parts of uh, of the experience of being a, a family is that sort of spiritual element to it. You know, family and faith and uh, and sharing meals they all go together. I think we we have a tendency sometimes to think about spiritual or to think about you know faith and to think of church. You know, we sort of think of our local parish or we, you know, as some sort of place that's separate from our home. But really, it's actually about family. And, uh, and Pope Francis says something really wonderful recently in uh, one of his documents. He said you know, he had a sort of an interesting definition of the family, of the church, sorry. He had an interesting definition of the church. And he simply said that the church is simply a family of families. Yes. You know, that actually our experience of the spiritual, our experience of faith, should really be the experience of a family, yeah. you know, people who care about one another and trying to build a life together. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a very good point. And, and look, in many respects, uh, the dinner table has a Eucharistic and communal type element to it. Just as Jesus broke bread and shared a meal with his disciples, uh, the importance of families being together shouldn't be underestimated or certainly not undervalued. Oh, gosh, I agree. Um you know, in uh, in Western Australia, in the art gallery we have over here, there is um, an image of a series of, of paintings of Jesus, and uh, and and they're very simple, you know, paintings. They're Jesus feeds some chickens, Jesus heals a fox, you know, <laughs> and in each image of Jesus uh, in this series, the artist has portrayed Jesus as really quite a, a sort of a short, stocky kind of a, a man. He's not the, you know. The, Oh gosh, the the he man that often we see on a crucifix with a you know six pack and yeah, uh, yeah. and strong. He's just this little short, stocky guy, and I I always find myself wondering about this sort of portrayal of Jesus, you know. And you know, when we think about the Gospels, Jesus kind of eats his way through the Gospels, you know. He's kind of like, well, I'm going to your house for dinner, or I'm going to go here for dinner, and those sorts of things. And um, and he leaves us this sort of legacy of you know sharing a meal with one another. You know, and you know, so you sort of mentioned that idea of of Eucharist and being the meal being Eucharistic, and I think uh, that's probably true. You know, when we think about you know the church, sort of when we think about the mass, the yes. church sort of defines the mass as the source and summit of our faith, and and I think that the family meal is actually kind of meant to be that for our families. You know, it's a it's a it's a source. You know, we've talked about that before. That when we come together as a family, that there's all these good things that come out of that. 
you know, for the individuals and for the family. So it is a, a source of life for a family to come together and share a meal. And it's also the summit, right? It's also, you know, the celebration of all of those things that are happening in our lives. That's why we often want to celebrate with a meal, birthdays, anniversaries, those sorts of things. At the time we come together and it's sort of the summit of our experience of our shared life together. There's a, I think you're right. There is something profoundly Eucharistic in that experience of a family meal when we do it regularly in our home. Yeah, I mean, humans do tend to complicate things, let's be honest, but in Jesus' time and what he was saying and, you know, when he did break bread, it was all very simple. Like, the messages were very simple. We have complicated things, as humans do, over time, and that's just what we do. Uh, but it shouldn't be. His, his messages were just so simple and so relevant 2,000 years later. Oh, definitely. And, and the way he went about it was so simple. You know, it was just, I just think of recently, we had uh, the story of Zacchaeus, you know, uh, climbing up the tree to see Jesus and, and Jesus is saying to him, hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight, you know, and, uh, and you know, where Jesus really, you know, he, he preached to the Pharisees and all these different other places, but when he really connected with people, it was in their homes, you know, it was around a meal. And, uh, and I think it reflects what we were talking about in our first podcast around that experience of the ancient world, that meals were about connection about being together and uh, and not so much just about consuming food. No, as important as nutrition and consuming food is, it is it's a, that connection thing. And, uh, yeah, certainly that's uh, what Jesus was trying to get across as well. It, it's also interesting to note how many times food is mentioned in the Bible. For example, the, uh, for example, the miracle of the loaves and fishes to the wedding feast at Cana. It says to me that family and sharing food is a powerful spiritual presence. It is, you know. I, I sort of think when I when I think about connecting um, around, you know, food, and I, when I think about the spiritual as a counselor, you know, I spend a lot of time in a counselling room, sitting with couples and families and individuals, and often hearing very personal stories. You know, very personal stories about their journey, about their experience of life. Some of those really, I guess, those challenges are maybe things that no one else has heard. You know, maybe the only kind of place where those things get expressed is in their in their prayer life. You know. Um, but I think for families, the family meal is often that place as well. You know, it's a time when we actually share more intimately the things that are going on. You know, we spoke in a previous podcast that, you know, that teenagers, you know, 80% of teenagers say that the one place where they are most likely to talk to their parents is actually at the family meal, at the dinner table. And uh, and so I think we, we sort of have to have a keep in mind that there is a spiritual, it's not just a practical thing, not sure. to be dismissive of those conversations, that they're actually really spiritual conversations too. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, and sharing a meal can help families grow together in love and faith. I mean, that, that's stating the, the obvious, really. But two things that really go hand in hand, love and faith. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think it's probably the most powerful way is the family meal that we can form those relationships in faith and love. And I think it's probably a part of God's plan, right? I think often we sort of think about God's plan for our lives as about you know, personal holiness and, you know, being sort of without sin or something. And, uh, but I, you know, in my mind, I kind of think God's plan is that one day you and I, we will live in perfect harmony with one another. You know, that I'll see you and you'll see me, warts and all, mistakes and all, failings and all, yeah. hopes and dreams, and we will be found lovable. You know, we'll be found, you know, forgivable and careable. And I guess, you know, um, when I think about my experience as a father, um, you know, I, I just sort of this came to me just a while back, you know, David, that uh, that when I was thinking about what is the, the most fulfilling experience in my life, 
you know, when am I the most happiest in my life? And what occurred to me is that one of the places where I am the happiest in my life is when I'm at dinner time and my whole family is there. No one's missing. Yep. Everyone's there and everyone's getting along. Everyone loves one another. Everyone cares for one another. And we're joking and we're sharing stories and we're enjoying each other's company. And we're talking about important things and also the joys and the little things of life as well. And there's just a sense of belonging, a sense of happiness. And I can imagine that's kind of what God's plan for heaven might be like, you know, that that God's, you know, that if any of that is missing, my happiness is diminished, you know, and I can imagine it's like that for God. And so, in a funny way, our family meals, when we share, you know, those family meals, it's actually preparing our heart for heaven. It's actually preparing us for not just this world, but, you know, eternal life as well. It's sort of shaping us to be who God really longs for us to be in our relationships with one another. Yeah. I mean, we all strive to be better people uh, and we fail at different times and then we get up and try again. And uh, yeah, I mean, life's like that, isn't it? It's, It's full of trials and tribulations. Mm, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. It's uh, we're going to face those sorts of things, and um, and the family meal is often the best place to sort of just connect and find reassurance and support, and to know that we belong to people who care about us and that are sharing the journey as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my memory of I grew up in Adelaide, and uh, I, I moved to Melbourne when I was in my mid twenties. But Mum used to often say, "Dad would get very excited when I'd say I'm coming home this weekend for whatever," uh, and we, you know, we'd have a nice family meal together and. We grew up quite close, going to the football together and all that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he loved loved it when I came back to Adelaide to to catch up for the weekend. Yeah, one of our sons at the moment he's studying over east and uh, in Sydney. And one of the things I always say to him is, you know, when families invite you over for dinner, you have to say yes. You know, that's actually really important that you still have that experience in your life. If that if you can't find it in your own family because you're far away from us. You need to find that experience in other families as well, you know, to know that, uh, you know, part of our family is not just for us, it's for, you know, uh, for other people too. Yeah, absolutely right. Derek, um, for some families who aren't very spiritual, uh, it may not be quite the same, but are there, are there things that they can bring to the dinner table to help them grow as a family? Yeah, I guess a couple of things that I think are really important is to, one is to sort of build ritual around your family dinner time. You know, different families will look different for different families, but building ritual around the experience of family life is really important. So, to give you some examples, you know, at, at Christmas time in our family, when Advent starts, uh, we usually put an Advent wreath on the table and uh, and it just sort of reminds us, it connects us with, you know, this season and what's happening in other areas of our life. Um, that uh, that in our family, we, we usually say grace before meals and... Um, and, uh, and that's just, you know, it can be just be a very simple prayer. It doesn't have to be anything complex. It can be just simply, God, thanks for this food. And, uh, and then you get started with uh, dinner as a family. Um, and, uh, and as I mentioned, you know, uh, in the first podcast, one of the simple rituals that we have in our family is simply asking, making sure that the, sort of the first conversation in our dinner time is simply, what was the best thing that happened today? What was the highlight of your day? And we just go around and we just, you know, take 20 seconds to just share whatever the highlight was. Um, about recognizing that you know what's important in each other's lives is important to us if we care about each other and building that ritual recognizing that this is a time for celebration and connection is really important i guess my other sort of experience sometimes is that you know i find more and more and particularly in my work with couples often they want to be able to explore the spiritual more in their lives 
Sometimes families don't know the way into those conversations. This sort of feels a bit like they kind of want to have those conversations, those deeper, meaningful, you know, purpose of life sort of conversations, but they're not really sure how to open the door to that sort of conversation. And so a strategy I recommend to um, to couples and families is to just get into the habit of saying grace before meals. Just, you know, just at least maybe one meal a day, maybe it might be dinner, but just to get into the habit. And, and as I said, it doesn't have to be a complex sort of prayer or uh, any of those sorts of things. It can just be something really simple. It can just be, as I said, God, thanks for this food and thanks for our family. Yeah. And what you what they do when they do that is they just keep a, a window open. You know, they just keep a sort of little gap in their lives open that if they wanted to have a more, um, a deeper sort of conversation about spirituality, that they kind of can, you know, that because they kind of keep that little door just ajar, that there yeah. might be those times yeah, yeah. where they kind of think, you know what, it's funny, something happened to me today that I'd like to share and and that conversation becomes okay. So, uh, so just sometimes I think just something really simple, like a simple grace can be just a great way to keep the door open for those deeper conversations if they want to have them. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And it's, it, you don't have to make it complicated. It can be quite simple. And I mean, I, every morning I wake up and I'm still breathing. Uh, I thank God that I'm still alive, especially after the last two years of pandemics. And I don't know how many jabs in my arm. And the last jab I got actually quite hurt for a few, hurt for a few days, but I'm glad I've had it. But I, I, I feel grateful and blessed uh, with my life. I mean, like everyone, it's, it doesn't go to plan every day. But uh, I've got a lot of good friends, great family. And I've got a job and I've got a roof over my head. I can't really complain, to be honest. Gosh, there's so much for us to be grateful for in our life. And, and gratitude, actually sharing those things, is a powerful way to fight back against uh, anxiety and depression, actually. You know, that often people, even sometimes people, I can imagine there are some families when they, when they do have those brief moments as a family and things seem to be kind of going well, yeah. there is this sort of a little bit of a dread that creeps in. You know, they kind of think, oh, yeah, but- they're just waiting for things to go wrong. And, uh, and what research shows is the best way to fight back against that is with gratitude. It's just yeah. kind of going, well, God, right now it's good. And thank you for that. Thank you for these people who care about me. Thank you that we've got food on our dinner table. Thank you that you know, people care about me. Uh, that's the way to fight back against those yeah. feelings. No, that's a good word, gratitude. And it's not something that comes up a lot, but I think that's a very important word too. So you made some good points there, Derek. Are there any other things in a spiritual sense, do you think, families, uh, how they can grow together? Yeah, I guess a couple of things. One is that, uh, you know, to sometimes use mealtimes to, I guess, just share about God at work in your life. Um, let me give you an example. So, as, as you would know, uh, the last few couple of months for me have been exceedingly busy and uh, <laughs> and I uh, and I was sort of sharing with my Children the other day we were having dinner that you know it just felt like you know I just feel like I'm I'm in a flood and it just keeps raining and raining and raining and you know and uh, and I can't seem to get on top of it and I feel like all I've all I've got is one bucket and I'm just scooping yeah. and, and as I'm scooping more rain keeps coming in and I just sort of said to them you know and I just said just, just briefly just a little thing there and I just sort of said but I felt you know the other day when I was at prayer I just felt God say to me Derek well. You better get scooping, and yeah. uh, and you know, and uh, it didn't sort of solve all the problems, but I really felt that all right, okay, God, you see it, keep going, just keep getting on with the work. Yeah, you no, know, it's not, it's not, it's not Bible bashing them, it's not no. proselytizing them, but but actually finding those little moments. You know, we do sometimes have those little experiences of sort of somehow God at work in our lives, and just um, and not being afraid, just in a very natural way to 
share them because a mealtime often is a place where in a very natural way we can just sort of open up a, a little bit of a conversation or a little bit of a sharing around that sort of thing. Yeah. I guess a couple of other thoughts. Um, liturgical seasons are a great time, you know, to include at the mealtime. Um, you know, just finding ways that uh, maybe, you know, during Lent, you know, we have those uh, key themes of uh, prayer and fasting and almsgiving. You know, you might want to change your meal times a little bit at those times. You know, maybe you're, you know, in the, we have a tradition in the church of maybe not eating meat on Fridays for many families, and and it's just a way of sort of marking this time is a little bit different. You know, we're sort of called to reflect in a different way. And as I said before, you know, at Advent, maybe having an Advent wreath or something like that, um, or maybe you know, a photo of someone particular that's important in our life that's on the table that we just want to be reminded to pray for that person. They might be ill or struggling. Um, and just, I guess, more broadly, just including um, spiritual elements in your home, you know, often just little things like, gosh, you know, many families have the rosary beads hanging over the back door or, uh, you know, a little image of St. Joseph or those sorts of things. Just, you know, just those little presences. Uh, I really like sort of um, St. Francis of Assisi, his advice, you know, that always preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. You know, that actually sometimes we can just create in our home a space that sort of speaks to the spiritual um, just by just the natural sort of elements that we have there. And I guess the last thing is really tapping into our core values. Um, you know, letting our core values guide our decision-making. Yeah. You know, if I think in, in our family life, um, one of the simple rules in our family life is that people always come before things. You know, that people, our relationships with them, they're more important than the trampoline. They're more important than who gets the remote control of the TV. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's just a constant message, you know, and that if you're fighting over the remote control, well, let's put the remote control away because you two probably need to work on your relationship more. Um, and the other one for us is just cultivating the virtues, you know, when uh, maybe things aren't going so well, if the kids aren't getting along. You know, one of the things that we sort of reflect on is what, is the virtue which, had it been present, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. You know, if you'd been a bit more patient or if you'd been a little more humble, if you'd been a little bit more, you know, gentle, this problem wouldn't have occurred. That a good consequence should be an opportunity to practice that virtue, an opportunity to sort of grow in that virtue. You know, well, I think, buddy, you probably need to grow in a bit of patience or you need to grow in a bit of gentleness. How about we, how about you're in charge of feeding the dog this week or whatever it might be and- Giving them a capacity to sort of grow in those areas. Yeah. Gosh, you know, that's about the spiritual, right? You know, the reason that we do these things is because we know God loves us and he does so much for us and we want to be respond in a way that is, um, that, you know, is to live a life that is principled and valued and, and has meaning. Yeah, absolutely right. And they're saying again that to gratitude is one of, it's a very important word. And I don't know that there's a, enough of that around these days. You just see a lot of selfishness and uh, there are a lot of good people mm. too but uh, and you don't want to dwell on the negative but there are people out there who tend to be about themselves and not others and that's uh, that's sad to see i agree and i think we we sort of live in a, a culture which really idealizes independence and autonomy that my life is all about me um, but um, but the reality is, you know, I guess aristotle would say that there's no such thing as a baby there is only a baby and its mother that a person can't exist in the world outside of relationships. We need other people and they need us. And uh, sure. and it's 
And it's at the family meal table, often where we have the primary opportunity to build those relationships with one another. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's good to see. I, I can see one of your children joining you. That's great. Even though this is just an <laughs> yes. audio podcast, that's, <laughs> you, you do have a big family. And we're nearly at the end of this one, Derek, uh, growing in faith at the dinner table. It's been a, a fascinating chat. Perhaps just to recap some of the, the main points you'd like to uh, say again. Yeah, look, I guess the, the main point is that, you know, our, our meal times are a really important opportunity to grow closer to one another, but they have a deeper meaning, like a deeper purpose uh, in that spiritual sense and nurturing the fullness of who we are, you know, bodily, you know, with the food that we eat, you know, socially and the relationships that are around us and also spiritually. And I think um, I just wanted to sort of, I guess, add one thing there, David, and that is that, um, you know, when I think about you know, there's a real challenge here for us, you know, in terms of our families around mealtime. You know, when I think about the ancient world and the early, sort of the experience of early Christians and the early church, you know, we often think about the church as being parishes and church buildings and archdioceses and all those sorts of things and priests and religious. But yeah. the reality is for the first 400 years of the, of the life of the church, it actually, it grew in people's homes. You know, it was families and and mostly mm. it was families around meal times. Yeah. you know, joining together and sharing a meal and sharing each other's journeys and, and reaching out to others, not just their own family meal time and what it did for them, but also recognising that there are many people in our lives who um, often don't have that experience of family around them who are lonely, who are struggling. And it's an extraordinary gift at Christmas Easter and, and at other times just inviting people into our homes to join us for a meal, to be a part of our meal. Sometimes it helps us to get our families around the dinner table if there's another person coming to visit and become a part of that meal as well. Yes. And, uh, and I think that that's really a way that our families can, um, I think it's a real challenge for us in this day and age, that it's a way that our families can actually bless the world is by making our family mealtimes a gift for others as well. Sure. And we know even at Christmas and uh, it, it can have its problems among siblings and families, <laughs> you know, people who don't want to turn up because they don't get on with the sibling or the mother or the father or whatever. I mean, that happens in uh, most families too, different states. Gosh, my my counselling services increase significantly in the weeks leading up to Christmas and the mix immediately following Christmas. And, uh, and it's all that coming together and trying to somehow be family. And I think it's a funny thing. It, it raises the issues and the challenges, but also that shared meal is a part of the solution as well. Good on you, Derek. Great talking to you again. I think we've got a couple more podcasts planned at some stage, but uh, thank you for your time today. Terrific. Thank you, David.